Come on, church, say amen. How many of you believe that a testimony is powerful? Amen? Amen, I, I do too. Well, if it's your first time here at First Christian Church, I just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Zach Bennett. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I just want to tell you we are glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. We love you. We may not know you, but we already love you, and we want to do life with you. Uh, we're at week two of our new series, God Stories, and I believe today is going to be life-changing. So I just want to challenge you today. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, I want to challenge you to pay attention today to listen to the words that will be shared up on this stage because I believe that a testimony today that's going to be shared can impact your life, can change your life, and can encourage you. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump right on in. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that your presence is already in this place. God, I thank you that we're a church that can come together and lift up the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you from the left to the right, from the front to the back to speak to every heart in this room. God, I'm asking because your word says we can ask anything according to your will and you hear us. I'm asking that every person in this room would have an encounter with you today. That not one person would leave the same, but every person would leave saying, I felt the presence of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross today. We love you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. 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 Well, last week I opened up and I talked about the idea behind God's stories and Lyle Willis came and shared his story and did an incredible job. And today I'm going to give you the same kind of thing, a backstory of God's stories and what's the purpose for it. In the church, oftentimes we come and every week we want something new. We want something fresh. But they say it takes hearing something seven times before it actually sticks. In church, they, I mean, in school, they would teach you something over and over and over for you to get it. And so I'm going to open up and I'm going to give you the idea behind God's stories. And the idea of this series is we believe that every person has a story. Every one of us has a testimony of some sort. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. But when we invite God into our story, He makes something beautiful out of our life. Every one of us apart from Jesus are a mess. But when we invite Jesus into our mess, it becomes a message to the world. Our belief is that when you hear a story, when you hear a testimony, that faith will begin to rise in you to believe that Jesus that changed their life can be the same Jesus that changes mine. And during this series, we're believing that people are going to have their God story written. And our prayer is twofold for this series. Number one is that people that don't know Jesus would come to know Him. And if you're in here this morning and you don't know Him, we love you and we want you to know that God loves you and He has a plan for your life. But number two, our prayer is that those of us in this church would begin to be bold about our faith and begin to be bold about sharing our story and sharing our testimony. When Jesus does a work in us, it's not just to do a work in us, but it's also to become something that comes out out of us into the world. As He fills us, we're to overflow into the lives of those around us. A testimony is powerful. And when you share it, pa Pastor Randall talked about in first service how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Oftentimes, I hear people say that God is not real and because they can't see God. But I'm convinced that when I see somebody who was once broken and is now put together, it's evidence enough for me. When I see somebody who was once bound and really depressed and Jesus comes in and gives them joy, that's a picture of God. When I see somebody who was once addicted to drugs or alcohol and now lives in freedom, that's enough evidence for me to believe in this Jesus that the Bible talks about. 
Um, yesterday and throughout this week, I began to pray about, God, what do you want me to share leading up to today's story? What is it that you want me to share? And as I began to pray and as I began to seek the Lord, John chapter 18 really began to jump out to me. And there's no, there's no feelings, but if you want to write this down, you can write it down. John chapter 18, verses 19 through 23. John 18 is a chapter where Jesus is on trial. It's also the chapter where Peter begins to deny Jesus. And they're getting ready. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. But in the middle of John chapter 18, starting at verse 19, this is what it says. It says, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. So why do you question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why strike me? So Jesus is on trial. They're asking him questions about his doctrine, the things that he teaches, and they're also asking questions about his followers. And Jesus responded, why do you question me? Ask the people who know me. Ask the people who follow me. And when Jesus says that, somebody nearby comes and slaps him across the face. And when I was reading the story, I'm thinking something like this. Where is Peter? Right before this, it says Peter is warming himself around a fire. He's denying Jesus. If I saw the man that rescued me out of a life of meaningless and gave me a meaning of, of, of a life that had no meaning and gave me purpose, if I saw him get slapped, I'm not going to get quiet. I'm going to jump up and say, I know who this man is. And I begin to ask the question of what would have happened in that moment if blind Bartimaeus walked in? who once was blind, but now could see. What would have happened if the woman with the issue of blood, who for 12 years spent all that she had on doctors and physicians and got worse, and then she touches the hem of his garment, and instantly the blood dries up and she's healed. What happens in that moment if she stands up and says, I know about him, I'll tell you about him. What would have happened in that moment if Lazarus, Bust through the door and said, I'll tell you about him. I was dead for four days. My body was beginning to stink. And out of nowhere, I heard a voice that said, Lazarus, come forth. And I was dead and came to life. And I came out of the tomb. I'll tell you who he is. What would have happened in that moment? See, I want you to know, church, our Jesus is still on trial. The world is still asking questions about him. Is he real? Is he alive? Is he good? Does he love me? He's on trial and people are asking questions. But I want you to know the same response Jesus had then, he has today. He's still saying, why do you ask me? Why don't you ask those who know about me? Why don't you ask those who have a story? Why don't you ask those who have a testimony? You see, your story, your witness, your words of what Jesus has done in your life can be the bridge from somebody getting out of death and getting into life. But so often we're quiet with our faith, but I want to tell you, introvert or extrovert, it doesn't matter. We're called to be bold with our faith. 
And oftentimes, because we don't share our story, whether we know it or not, Jesus gets slapped. Because the world, they begin to find out about Jesus based on media and what the world has to say about him instead of what this book has to say about him. But when you begin to share your story and you begin to share your testimony, they begin to have evidence that this Jesus of the Bible is real. And if he changed them, then maybe he can change me. That's why we share our story. Because it creates faith in those that don't know him to believe Maybe he's for me as well. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it says that God has planted eternity in the heart of man. And what this means is every person ever born knows that this life is not all that there is. Every person ever born, I believe, was created for intimacy with Jesus, but oftentimes people don't get there. And I ask, why is that? It's because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how can they believe if they never hear about him? And how can they hear about him if no one tells them? We're called to share our story. And because people, they're looking for satisfaction, there's a hole inside. They go down every avenue, every road, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, looking for fulfillment in things that are not God, but only he can fix it. But when you begin to share your testimony, Something begins to stir in people to say, I need that Jesus. And a testimony and a story points to evidence of his existence. Check out the screens. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Michael Hunt. I'm a youth pastor at First Christian Church, but that's not how my story starts. As a matter of fact, I'm from Jackson, Tennessee, from one of the roughest neighborhoods. We call it East Jackson, um, Lincoln Street and Lincoln Courts. And I'm gonna take you on a journey today of where I come from. Not only was I gang affiliated, um, not only was I absolutely lost, I also didn't believe in Jesus. For the first 17 years of my life, I was very vocal about being atheist and also about there not being a God. Because where I come from, man, when you look around and you see all the brokenness, it was hard to see evidence of God. But his grace is good, his mercy's for me, and um, this is my God story. Hey guys, I'm standing um, out here in what is considered the heart of where I'm from. Um, this place, this housing project, Lincoln Courts, is um, the center. It's the hub of East Jackson. I'm from East Jackson. I grew up on a street called Lincoln Street. Um, that's the street that this housing project is on. Me and my friends spent many days and many nights in this area. Um, and this is home. What's significant about this actual spot that I'm standing in right here I'm on fighting lane right off of Lincoln Street. I was 15 years old um, when I saw my first drive-by um, right here on this street. And um, even as a 15-year-old, um, it would still be two years before I met Jesus. But, but at 15, I knew that, uh, man, life wasn't supposed to be like this. And so, uh, man, I was bringing back a lot of memories right here. Also, um, behind me, you see a couple of homes, kind of that second house that's in the picture. Uh, man, that's the house where I was initiated in the gang a couple of months after I saw my first drive-by. When I was 15 and I saw all that stuff, um, man, I realized that somebody being a new kid in this neighborhood, I didn't want to walk this life by myself. And so, uh, man, actually in that home that's behind me um, is where I was initiated um, in the gang at 15 years old. Hey, I'm here at the barber shop in the heart of my old neighborhood. It's right across the street from my high school. 
Oh man, I got to school late. A lot of days coming to get that fresh haircut right before school. Oh man, but um, one of the memories that I have about this area is uh, man at a barbershop um, in the inner city. Man, that's where you find out all the news, where everything's happening, all the updates, and it's really just a hangout spot. It's more than a place where you come and get your hair cut. Man, it's really a place where, man, you actually finally get to see male influence. So being a young man that grew up in a house without a dad, this was one of the few places where I saw older men uh, was in this place. And um, right behind me, there's a gas station. And um, at that gas station, one of my friends, he was actually murdered. And um, when that happened, that's when me and my friends decided we would not go anywhere um, without each other. Man, that's one of the dangers coming from a background that I came from. Uh, man, you never knew when it was gonna be your last trip leaving your house. All right, I'm out here standing in front of JCM, Jackson Central Mary. This is the high school that I attended. And uh, man, just another platform and place where I learned a lot of stuff. This is your stereotypical inner city school. Uh, we were under state's custody because we were not meeting the state's requirement as far as our grades. And we had a lot of behavioral issues. And uh, man, just standing here reminds me of how good God is. And just as a reminder of his grace on my life and um, how far he has brought me. Come on, isn't God good? Come on. Help me welcome Pastor Michael up to the stage. Maybe y'all love this dude. Tell you what. I've got such a love for him. He's one of my best friends. And tell you what. I didn't appreciate when we went out to East Jackson in the hood, brought the whitest dude he could find. <laughs> Had me so nervous in the middle of I was so close to Michael the whole time. True. True, true. Well, man, uh, I love you so much, man. I'm so glad that I'm uh, so thankful you're willing to share your story and just be real, man. That's what this series is about. And today I just want to ask you some questions just like I did Lyle last week, man. I just want to ask you, you know, from seeing that video, we saw you grew up in brokenness. So I just want you to kind of tell us what was it like growing up in the inner city? What was it like growing up in that background? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I get to do life with a lot of teenagers now and students here. And so it was totally different than uh, what majority of the students that I get to do life with, how they live. Um, so growing up in the inner city, my, my father, he went to prison when I was in, um, when I was in first grade. And so um, I had to grow up um, with just uh, one parent, my mom, who was um, an extremely hard worker. Um, Monday through Friday, she worked, worked, worked. Um, and um, that's actually like a Rihanna uh, song, <laughs> work, work, work. But uh, <laughs> hi, mom. But um, yeah, <laughs> so man, she was always at work. She worked second shift. And so she worked from like 2 p.m. until like 12 or 1 in the morning. So um, while we were at school, my mom was at home. But like while we were at home, my mom was at work. So I never saw my mom until like the weekend. And so um, part of that, um, high schoolers, my older brother and older cousins were in high school. And so when I was in elementary school, like high schoolers were raising me um, because that's just what happened um, because my mom had to work because my dad um, was in prison and she provided. But um, with that, with high schoolers raising you and um, not having um, parental supervision, my brother had all type of people at our house. Um, one thing my mom would always say, she'd leave a note like, don't have anybody in my house. We would do the exact opposite. And so my brothers had everybody in the house. And so they were raising me. And so everything that they um, knew, um, they were teaching that to me. And so, um, man, growing up in that neighborhood, um, my 
brothers, when they um, were in high school, and um, their friends, they were in gangs and things like that. And so I seen that as a kid. And so then when it was my turn to be in high school and it was my turn to kind of be the man of the house and have the responsibility, my brother had already went off. He was in prison. And so I just did the exact same thing. Now I'm in a gang. And now when my mom's at work, I'm inviting people over. And whoever's under me now, like my nephew or whatever, like I'm pouring into him exactly what his dad had poured into me. So it's just a cycle of brokenness, um, a cycle of um, poverty. Um, also, and man, you saw a lot of um, things that's not normal. Um, now being on the outside of it, looking back, that stuff's not normal. But when you grow up in it, you kind of think that that's reality. And so um, I remember watching the TV show Full House. Some of y'all remember that, Uncle Jesse. And so I remember watching that, and I remember thinking um, that that could not be obtained. Like, that that's not real. I remember thinking that, like, a family or wholeness of a family um, was only like in TV land. Like you couldn't get that um, in real life. And so, um, yeah, that was life in the inner city. Gangs, um, drive-by shootings, um, and you become numb to it almost. Oh, another one of my friends died, and um, so, yeah. So just in we're talking with you over the past couple of weeks about today, one of the things that I've, I heard you echo a lot is you grew up without a father. And all the people on your street didn't have a father. How did that affect you? How did that shape you as a kid not having that? Yeah, I was sharing with Pastor Zach just one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so one thing that every home had in common in my neighborhood, um, nobody had a dad in their house. Nobody. Like some of my friends, their fathers were addicted to drugs, so they were just in the streets. Um, some of my friends, just honestly, they didn't know who their dad was. My dad was locked up in a prison in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and so not having a dad kind of removed like protection in my life, kind of removed like a covering in my life. Um, and it kind of gave me the freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted to. I lived a life of what I thought was freedom. Uh, it was truly bondage though, but I thought it was freedom. And so whoever was willing to come into my life and pour into me, whoever was willing to come into my life and kind of lead me, and it was a lot of negative influences, I was open to that. I was open to following anybody that was going to spend time with me. And so that's kind of why um, I got in the gangs. That's kind of why, man, uh, my life was filled with um, drug use, um, alcohol use. I remember being in fourth grade as a 10-year-old. Um, my brother was in 11th grade. Him and his friends was over. Um, it was late one night, and for a typical family, maybe, maybe like a dad would be proud if he taught his son, you know, how to catch a football or how to change the oil or some, something like that. For me, like growing up with high schoolers raising me, uh, I remember being in fourth grade, and that was the first time that I ever tasted alcohol. And that was the first time that I ever smoked. And I remember high school students gathering around me that night, like celebrating as if I had earned a manhood or something like that. And so that's how it was kind of growing up without a father in the inner city. Um, yeah. So, having, so not having a father there was critical. Very critical, yeah. And so I, that's something that I wanted to share, guys. Uh, being a father... I believe personally, you know, we're up, on, up here on a stage, but I believe the godliest thing you can do is to be a husband and a father. Men, it's the godliest thing that you can do. And just because you're there doesn't mean you're a father. You can be a daddy and not a father. Let it be said that this year we would be men that lead our families well. Let it be said this year that we would be husbands and fathers that love our kids and love our wives like Christ loves the church. Let it be said that we won't be a statistic. Well, we'll be a church that is known for having godly men that are raising godly families. Amen? Can we agree with that? Amen.
So as a kid growing up in that life, in that environment, how often, surely, you had people tell you about Jesus all the time. How often did that happen? Um, never. Uh, yeah. And so I think like the area I grew up in is in the South. And so um, we're in the Bible Belt. Um, you've heard that before. And so like even though I grew up in the inner city, one thing that the inner city and the county have in common, man, there are churches everywhere. Um, there are churches on every corner. And so growing up how I grew up, um, yeah, I remember on Sundays, we didn't go to church, but like me and my friends would either be hanging out like on my front porch or we'd be walking in the neighborhood or playing basketball. And I remember um, on Sundays, we would see people go to church and um, we would see them leave. We would see them all nicely dressed and um, leave, but they never would talk to us. And um, so ever, ever, nobody ever shared the gospel with me, even though we had churches and church buildings everywhere. And so I developed a perspective of if you go to church, then you're a good person. If you don't, you're like me, you're a bad person. And so um, I already didn't believe in Jesus um, because of what I saw in my neighborhood. So I didn't believe in God. Um, I did not know my worth at all. Didn't know um, who I was. Uh, my dad's not around to speak into me. My mom's always working. She's not speaking into me either. And so I had no idea who I was. And on top of that, the people who seemed to be good, um, they, they didn't want anything to do with me. And so I just thought they were good. I'm bad. But um, as um, I continue to grow closer to Jesus, um, I realized that the Christian life is not about being bad and now you're good. Um, for my life personally, it's about being dead and now I'm alive. Amen. 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 My prayer for our church. You see, religion says stay away from the unclean thing. It's bad. But Jesus says run to the unclean thing and I can make it clean. Let it be said of us as a church that we would never hold back. But we would run to the broken. We would run to the hurting. We would love those that seem unlovable. That that would be what is said about this church. It would be said that that church, First Christian, that they are known for sharing their faith. They're known for being a witness. They're known for being a light in the city, a light in the darkness. Let it be said of us that we don't just come and do the churchy thing and we talk the talk, but let it be that we walk this thing out. Because here's the thing. There are people like Michael that are waiting to hear the gospel. There are people just like him that are waiting to hear one of us begin to share our story with them. And I'm thankful that Jesus ended up changing your life. So tell me, man, you know, you, you experienced a lot. Would, tell me about your encounter with Jesus and tell me, did that fill the void in your life? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I just want to piggyback on what Pastor Zach just said. Like, you know, man, there are people like me uh, who are still out there who haven't met Christ. Um, the only reason I know any of you is because somebody shared the gospel to me. Outside of the gospel, outside of Jesus, we don't meet. I'm just going to be honest. Um, we don't cross paths. It's no way possible that you would meet me and we would be hugging and, you know, having a good time because where I come from in the inner city, first of all, I didn't know Jesus. And the, the area that I lived in, I just didn't see white people at all, like ever. <laughs> like, so we would not do life at all. And so, yeah, man, there are people out there waiting um, to hear about the gospel. But as far as the void, um, yeah, yeah. Um, by the time I was 17, I'm in 11th grade, I had, man, I was chasing. Um, in 11th grade, I had no curfew. I was living life how I wanted to. Um, school nights out super late, come in when I want to. Um, 
some nights drunk and then go right to school the next day. That's how I was operating. And for me, that was normal. Um, for me, um, that was life. Um, maybe a normal student might be in the, um, in the bed by 9 or 10, and then they go to school. Um, but I didn't come home to 1 or 2, and then I'm back at it. And so, um, man, I was chasing something. And by 11th grade, man, I had everything the world could offer. Uh, my, my weekends were full of um, partying. My weekends were full of hanging out with college students, inviting me to house parties, and um, doing God knows what. And um, not even having to care about it at all. Um, really, because um, what I heard even in my household um, that, you know, my mom would always say, like, if I don't, like, get my mind together, like, I'm either going to end up like my father in prison or I'm going to end up like my friends and go to the grave. Like, so my mindset was my time limited anyway, so I'm just going to live it up. Um, there is an expiration date on this thing, and so I'm just going to live it up because in the inner city and where I come from, in my cousins, my brother, my friends, there's a certain age that you get, and, man, by that age, you're either in prison or you're at a funeral and you're the person that they're there for. Um, and so just lived it, chasing the wind and um, could not be satisfied. Even when I was 17, they were letting me in nightclubs in Jackson um, because I knew how to rap. And they were letting me and my friends go to nightclubs on the weekend and perform and do things like that. And, man, I just had a void that nothing could feel. And um, somebody um, invited me to church when I was 17. I decided to go um, so they could stop asking me. And so I went, um, and I sat on the back row. Um, I was kind of like, I'm ready for this thing to be over so I can go eat. Um, you know, sometimes you think about lunch when you're in church, especially when you're fasting. <laughs> but um, and so I was just sitting there, and I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of ready for this thing to be over with. And, uh, man, the guy began to share the gospel and just talk about, you know, no matter where you've been, like, man, Jesus loves you. And there's a scripture that I'll never forget, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, um, that's when Christ decided to die for us. And so um, even though I was chasing all that, and in my mind, even though I thought I had freedom because nobody was telling me what to do, um, and I was, man, I was so against authority. Man, the, the way that I grew up, um, man, I absolutely hated police officers. I absolutely hated authority. And, uh, man, Jesus came into my heart, changed all of that. Now some of my good friends are police officers and help out in the youth group, Garrett Grady and Roger Anderson. And, man, it's so crazy how God can change you. Um, but Jesus saves me that night. And um, there are many times that when I was living wild as a teenager, I would wake up and I would say, I wish I didn't drink that much last night. There would be times I would wake up and I would say, who is this in the bed with me? There were times I would wake up and I would say, let's do it all over again. But there's never been a time um, since Jesus saved me when I was in 11th grade that I ever woke up and I said, um, I regret giving my life to God. Come on. Um, because, uh, man, he did something that that other stuff couldn't do, even when I thought I was free. Uh, man, he filled something. Um, the Bible says he places eternity in our heart. And there's not a drink. Come on. Man, there's not a drug. Yeah. Man, it's not an accolade. Man, I was getting all of that, man, as an 11th grader. And, man, I was introduced to so much stuff as a kid. And, um, and it goes back to parents not being present. But I was introduced to so much. And, man, Jesus came in. Man, he met me at my darkest. Come on. Man, he met me, man, when I felt like I wasn't lovable. Because that's my story. Man, I didn't think I was worthy of love. Man, I didn't think I was worthy um for Jesus to wrap his arms around me. And um, I think that's, that's where a lot of my belief was broken. Man, why would a good God want anything to do with me? Uh, why would a good God want damaged goods? And uh, man, he met me where I was at, and my life ain't been the same. Come on, come on, can we thank Jesus for that?
I'm so thankful that Jesus changed your life, man. I got two more questions for you. Man, you could have done so many things with your life. You could have went different paths. You could have chose to be a rapper, even though you still rap. We get to see part of it every now and then, and I love it. Um, why be a youth pastor? Out of all the things you could choose to do, why youth? Yeah, uh, man. Um, yeah, I know who I used to be uh, when I was a teenager. There was a, I get, so I get saved. Jesus comes in. Uh, in just a mess, an absolute mess. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you feel like it's a mess going on right now um, in your life. Man, I got an absolute mess happening. Jesus come in, he saves me, and it wasn't just like a moment thing. Um, it wasn't just a, um, I'm at a service and I felt the presence of God, and then I just go on with life. Like So Jesus meets me where I'm at, loves me, saves me. And um, so I go back to school. I, I still got to go back to school. So um, I am... The week before, I am like a wild child. Like, I'm in the guidance counselor's office. I'm in the principal's office all the time. Like, just wild and getting suspended, all of that. Um, and so I go back to school after getting saved and, like, immediately, like, I don't do what I used to do. And so word starts to get around that, like, Michael's going to church. Like, he's going to church. Like, that's weird. And so there's this organization called Young Life and um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so there was some college students um, who were running that and, like, leading that. And it was some high school students who went to that, who went to school with me. And so they find out that um, Jesus has come into my life and he saves me. And they go back and they tell these college leaders. Well, the college leaders go back and tell the guy that's kind of like the boss of Young Life. And at this time, his name is Blake Spann. At this time, he's like 24, 25. He got a wife, got two kids, you know, um, you know, just a... Just a cool guy, you know, white guy, little polo, you know. Um, and so, just a, you know, just a cool cat. And so I've been saved for like a week. I've been saved for a week or two, and I get this knock at my door one day. Like, I still live in the hood. Like, like I'm, I'm trying to figure out the Jesus walk, and Blake Spann is at my house. And Blake comes in my house and sits with me in my living room. Now this is, a, this is a kid that about a month ago, like I'm extremely broken. Like I, I'm doing God knows what with people who we are all just dead. And Blake, who is a Christian man, who has a wife, he has children, he lives on the good side of town. Man, he comes to the broken area, comes in my house, meets me where I'm at, sits where I'm at, and for about an hour, he just opens up the Bible and begins to share the love of Jesus with me. It don't even stop there. There's still brokenness happening around me. Um, I've stopped hanging out with my friends, which neither one of us could absolutely believe, my friends or me. One by one, they begin to go to jail. They begin to get murdered. I'm having to show up at funerals of my friends that I used to run with, and Blake and his crew are driving into my neighborhood every week, man, to pick me up, to take me out of my environment that I'm used to and show me what, show me what godly family looks like, to show me what it looks like to be a Christian man. And man, they meet me where I'm at. And man, I didn't have it all together. I still don't get it all together. Ask the staff. I don't get it all together. But man, they saw me as a teenager and said, you know what, man, we're not going to leave him where he's at. Matter of fact, I love him enough to come to his house where he's at and share the gospel, but I also love him enough to put him in the car with me and take him with me. And man, that changed my life. It changed my life on what even family looks like. 
and now being a black man that goes to a predominantly white church and to see that, man, when the gospel's involved, when the blood of Jesus is involved, man, it crosses every barrier. Come on. Come on. Man, Revelation chapter 7 talks about um, in heaven. Man, it's going to be every nationality, every ethnic group worshiping the king. And man, the way that I've encountered Jesus, man, love knows no color. Come on, man. Love knows no background. Man, if you knew the things that I used to do as a teenager, and he met me where I was at, man, that's why I'm a youth pastor. Because I know if he can save me as a teen, man, I know he can use me Man, to share his same message that saved me in 2008. Come on. Man, because culture is coming against these teenagers so hard. Man, they are battling depression, social anxiety, man, suicidal thoughts. And if God saved me out of my emptiness and I was on the other side, man, imagine what he can do to teenagers who choose to freely come to church. And so, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm a youth pastor. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it up for sure. Well, I know our church and I know our teenagers would say they're glad to have you as the youth pastor here too. Yeah. We love you, man. The last thing I want to ask you, uh, I asked Lyle the same question last week. If you had one thing, if today would be the last time that you would speak to this church and to the people here, those that know Jesus and don't, what would you say? Um, yeah. Um, you got a story? Man, the pain that you went through, it will not be wasted. Man, God wants to use that. You don't have to be ashamed what you went through. Um, you don't have to be ashamed what you're currently going through. Um, because more than likely with seven plus billion people on earth, there's at least one other person who's went through what you went through and you can help pull them out. Um, but it starts with knowing that you're absolutely loved by God. It starts with knowing that your worth is in God. Um, so I was, um, Christmas had came by and um, last, you know, not too long ago, and I'm at Hibbit. I absolutely love um, fashion. I absolutely love shoes. And I'm at Hibbit Sports looking for some shoes. That's what I do. And so um, I absolutely just love the Nike brand. I absolutely love the Air Jordan brand. And I'm in Hibbit. Um, it's Christmas. I got a Hibbit gift card. Like, I'm about to lose my mind. And um, so I'm in this store, and, man, and I see this pair of Air Jordans. And I'm like, man, that's it. Man, I got a jacket that matched that. Like, those are the ones. And I'm there. I'm standing there, and I'm admiring um, this shoe. And, um, man, I see how much it costs. And I'm just like, man, this is, like, a great deal. Like, this is a great price. Um, for this shoe and on top of that like Hibbit had like this coupon like when you put like a text to give I text this number and they give me like so much off and um, I'm so excited I get the shoe I'm like do you get it in my size and like I'm super excited they come back they're like yeah we got 10 and a half I'm like yes like I'm animated and so um, we're at the um, the register and um, and they begin to ring it up and um, the price actually comes back to be more than what the tag said. And I'm um, so like, my day's ruined. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I knew it was too good to be true. And the lady tells me when they were doing inventory um, that somebody put the wrong tag on it uh, when they were doing inventory. And um, this is what I would say, this is what I would end with with you um, today. Man, well, who's put a price tag on you? Come on. Because you're worth more than what the price tag is saying. For me, I thought it was because I grew up in poverty price tag. I thought it was because I grew up without a father. 
price tag. I thought it's because I didn't have the right relationship with my parents. Another price tag, gang affiliated, not believing in Jesus. And I just, man, that price just kept getting chopped down. And man, I'm really not worth anything until Jesus showed up the one who actually paid the price and the one that can actually give me my identity. And that's the same for these students that I get to walk life with. Man, your price for them and for you is it's not in what you have of the latest thing. Man, it's not, it's not wrapped up in like whatever house you choose to live in. Like it's not wrapped up in your story, your background. It's not even wrapped up in the car you choose to drive or any of that. It's wrapped in what Jesus and Jesus alone did. And so, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited about that. And I can say that freely this morning. I can say that so freely and with so much joy um, because for so many years, I walked around with a price tag that the world put on me. Come on. And guys, that eventually ends. But man, I'm so thankful for what Jesus puts on me. Because even when this body goes to the grave, come on. Man, even when all this pass away, and we get wrapped up in this stuff. But man, even when this pass away, man, the price tag that God's put on me, his Holy Spirit, but I get to be with him for eternity one day. And so, man, that's what I want to leave you with. And um, I want to pray with you this morning. Father, thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, I'm so thankful for this church family. Jesus, you have um, you've blessed me, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful for your kingdom and the way that you do things, Lord. Coming from somebody who grew up in brokenness, coming from somebody who did it the opposite way and ran with a false freedom. Lord, when I taste what true freedom looks like, when I taste what a life with you looks like, Lord, it's good. And I'm thankful for that. And Lord, maybe there's people in here today, Father, maybe their story is full of brokenness, Lord, and there have been false price tags put on them. Lord, show them that their identity is in you and in you alone. And Lord, this world and everything in it is passing away. And, Lord, we can put our hope in you because, Father, you make all things new. Lord, you reconcile all things. You redeem all things. And that's the God that we put our trust in. We put our hope in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. As um, You can remain seated, but as we um, get ready to transition, I just want to thank you guys um, for accepting me for me. And um, let me be who um, God's crafted me to be. Uh, man, tomorrow marks three years um, since I moved here. And I think that's just beautiful to me that the day before I'll be sharing my story. I'm going to end with a spoken word um, about my life. And um, then I'm going to get out your way. Uh, man, but God's been good to me. I came out of poverty. But save your apologies. See, Jesus came in me and he cleansed all of the dirt. There's no reason at all I should be a pastor working at a church. Let me wrap my story to you. But I don't know how you're going to end up taking this. But I know Jesus Christ is real because I used to be atheist. I took what the world handed me full of profanity, but Christ's plan for me made me a king through Christianity. The enemy lied with man should be full of less sinful fantasies. Remove my personality. Jesus keep commanding me. See, based on my history, me and sin got chemistry. But now I'm linked to Jesus Christ, and it's just strictly ministry. And I deserve hell. I'm talking about the worst part. But God said, Michael, 
I can fix the worst heart. Based on nationality, I should have been a casualty of sinful personality plus sexual immorality. And they wonder why I praise them. The tomb couldn't contain them. They said Michael Hunt changed. I say blame him. Without Christ, I mess up. Confess up. I'm lesser. I just pray he used this vessel to ask y'all who next up. Christ took my life away. Let many men did the Indians and gave me a love for Shaq Corinthians. No sin, but rather in Philippians 4.13. May I read again? I do all things through Christ Jesus. I believe at times 10. I had to lay down all of the stress. I had to lay down all of the worry. My name's Michael, and this is my God story. Thank y'all. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, can we thank Jesus for Pastor Michael's story? Come on, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. I just want to ask you this morning, if you're in this room, and you say, I don't know this Jesus that Pastor Michael talked about. And you say, I, I know what it's like to chase the things of this world and I'm empty. But today I want to give my life to Jesus and I want my story to be written. I want my sins cast as far as the east is from the west. And I want to start a new life today. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands high. I don't want to see it. High, I want to see it all over the room if that's you. Hands going up all over the room. Put your hands down. If that's you this morning, I want you to mark the box on your connection card that said you started a relationship with Jesus. We want to walk life with you. But also, if you're in here this morning and you need hope, and you're a believer or not a believer, and you say, I need hope and I need peace, I want you to raise your hand. Hands going up all over the room. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every hand that was raised this morning. God, I thank you for those this morning that made a decision to follow you. Jesus, I thank you that your blood washes every sin away. I thank you right now that heaven is rejoicing over those that have decided to come home. That, God, you are filling the void in their heart. I ask, God, that you would give them a grace to walk this out. And that, God, they would find people that could walk with them and walk with them through this life and teach them the road. Now, Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand needing hope and peace today. God, I ask that you would be the God of all comfort, the God of all peace, the God of all hope to them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move inside of them today. Show them that you're with them. Show them that their brokenness can be turned into beauty and their mess can be turned into a message. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. We're fixing to sing a song called God, You're So Good. I want you to know it's only by the goodness of God that we're in this room today. It's only by His goodness and His mercy and His grace that we get to come together. So let's sing about His goodness.